Okay, welcome back to Tall Hungry Girl Talks. Today we are talking about sex. It makes me want to sing that song. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know my singing voice isn't that good, but you know, you get the message. Um, so today I am interviewing Reba Kareen Thomas. She is a pleasure positive sex educator and CEO of Sexpert Consultants a company geared toward bridging the gap in adult sexual health education through engaging workshops, online courses, and events. Um, I love this topic in particular because it's something that applies to most adults, Um, but it's a topic that people don't always feel comfortable discussing. Um, And so I just want to kind of open the door, (laughs) open the closet. Hey, we're letting it all out today. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so first, you know, the dynamics around sex have changed so much in this country as the power dynamics between men and women have shifted, especially in the era of Me Too. I think that, you know, I hear from men that they just feel like nervous about giving women a compliment and stuff like that. But then, you know, it, which is kind of ridiculous. But from women, I think we feel more empowered. We feel, you know, more comfortable expressing our sexuality. Um, It seems like, you know, just in general, women feel more comfortable. But, you know, it seems like there's a hyper-sexualization on social media, especially in what I like to call the Kardashian era. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Yes. Of, like, uh, social media exploitation. Um, what's the dividing line between women's empowerment and over sexualization or is there one? Because I guess it's, you know, perception, right? Yeah, I think, look, so we live in this like purity culture that says, oh, women aren't supposed to be sexual. Right. And if they are, they're not good ones. They're like whores or whatever, whatever. Cause you never hear a man being, well, rarely you ever hear a man being called a whore. Yeah. In fact, men are like congratulated for how many women they can get, um, but if you really start to like think about how um, if a if a man wants to have sex with a woman, he has to go out and spend a lot of money and like put time in and invest time and energy and money into, you know, getting what ultimately he wants. For women, and obviously we're talking about heteros here, right? But for women, um, we don't have to do that. Like we don't we don't spend a lot of like time or money on having sex and so when we look at like how if you think about like having a vagina as having a commodity this is a commodity that we have then um a lot of people are like well you have this commodity so you shouldn't be going out and and giving it to everyone but as a man it's like oh well as much of the commodity as you can get is is great and so like do you not also have a commodity exactly yeah and so i think we live in this world where we're looking at sex as a commodity, right? As a thing to be bought and sold. And it's really, what we really crave is connection. Um, and so going back to your question about hypersexualization, I think the dividing line is the intention, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> if <clears throat> you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sex positive, I'm free, and I want to walk around naked all day, <laughs> Go ahead. Good you for might you. get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. But yeah. at the same time, if you're like, yeah, I'm so sexy. I want to wear my bikini and steal all the women's men. Like, yeah. okay, so now we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for the male gaze. Yeah. And I think that's the different. Like, that's the dividing line. I think when we 
showcase ourselves, when it becomes performative, right, for someone outside of us, then that's that's where it becomes hypersexualized and less empowering <laughs> because yeah. it's really hard to feel empowered when like you are objectifying yourself and yeah. you're saying, Hey, look at me because this is the only way that I can get you to look at me. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I like I see these videos on in like pages dedicated actually I think I saw one last week of a woman um just like bending over and like clapping her Mm-hmm, her butt cheeks, cheeks. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> and I was like wow is this where we're at and no judgment do what you do girl but it was just like it felt belittling and yeah. I think that that's why that's where it gets a little like confusing for um you know you you think you know younger girls are are on are on social media and stuff like that. And these pages are the ones that are getting the most attention. So the signals sent out are really confusing, but at the same time, it's like, you don't want to just be veiled and hide your sexuality. And so, yeah, it can be confusing. And I think it's also like, how do you feel about it? Right? Like if you feel bad, like if you put a video of you clapping your butt (laughs) on Instagram and like you feel some kind of shame or like, then maybe you shouldn't have done it. Like maybe, (laughs) Uh, but I know that there are some people out there like like I think about the sex workers who are also on Instagram who like do these like videos and whatnot to like promote their services. So, yeah. So that's one thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard. It's yeah. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, so this is you know, I follow someone on social media who's who is pretty religious, but I, I think I'm not religious myself, but I like the messages that she um that she projects and talks about but the one thing that I have trouble with is the whole like sex before marriage thing because for me like I'm 37 and I you know I hope I get married but who knows like and I think um millennials a lot of us aren't are getting married later in life so I think waiting to get to know someone is a good goal but um don't you want to know someone before getting married um in that way because mm-hmm. you know sexual chemistry is very very important i think in in relationships for the majority of people what are your thoughts on this and how do you coach couples in this area between like the moral conflict that people may have yeah so i a lot of my clients are um were virgins before marriage uh and I think the biggest problem um, that I'm finding about the whole no sex before marriage thing, and look, I'm never going to like poo-poo on someone's beliefs. Like if your relationship with God or whatever is your relationship, right? But I think it's um, a little bit neglectful to say, okay, no sex before marriage, but also no masturbation. And I'm not going to know what my, what my pleasure is. And when I get married, all of a sudden, both me and my partner are going to know everything about each other's bodies and pleasure and sex is going to be great. No, actually sex is probably not going to be good for the hella awkward, like (laughs) three to six months. And that's if you guys are like communicating properly Mm -hmm. and using lubricant. And like, these are the conversations that you would have before having sex and before getting married if you were not having if you were having sex before marriage so so I think that sex before marriage is fine if you're masturbating yeah (laughs) like you've got to masturbate you 
or know your pleasure in some way. And yeah. so, and, and how do you have intimacy? Like yeah. in, and do you, like, do you coach couples on like how to have intimacy? Yeah. So, so the first thing that I teach people is how their bodies work. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we didn't discover, and by we, I mean the medical community, we didn't discover the full anatomy of the clitoris until 1998. Wow. So a lot of people don't know what a clitoris is. Most people who have them have no idea what they actually look like on the inside. And so when you think about that, number one, right? And then you have the folks who are like, no sex before marriage. So they really don't know this stuff. It's, I don't, there's a lot of learning that has yeah. to be done. And then there's a lot of unlearning too, because we yeah. learn a lot of shame about our bodies and our private parts. Yes. And there's so much shame, I think, attacks. And I think that that is like the big, biggest issue with me um, in terms of like no sex before marriage is the, is the shame mm-hmm. that is attached yeah. to it yeah. that you know, like this beautiful thing that if you respect it and covet it, you know, can be so beautiful, but like really shaming people instead of just like respecting your own beliefs mm-hmm. and saying, these are my beliefs. I promote it. I support it, you know, with others as well, but you do you. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, that shame shows up when you're, when you're, when you're having sex, right? Yeah. Like when you're finally having like God ordained sex, yes. it's like, oh, I still, why do I still feel so shameful? Why is this? Cause marriage is a social construct. Let us not forget that. Exactly. So, so like <laughs> you signed a piece of paper and now all of a sudden magically yeah. the sex that you're having it's no longer a sin, so it should be much more enjoyable, but it usually isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're single, how can you have emotionally safe sex where you still respect yourself and your boundaries? Because, you know, in the, in, especially like in D.C., in an area where you have a lot of people that are very career driven. And, and so I think getting into relationships can be... Um, a long process (laughs) in this area. And so it's like, you know, if you are out of a relationship for five or 10 years, but you still are having, you know, sexual desires and stuff like that, do you recommend for people to have sex outside of relationships? And if so, how do they do so safely? Yeah, well, okay. So the safest sex you could ever have outside of a relationship is with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amen, it's, sister. It's, it's STD free. Yeah. <laughs> you can ensure you're going to get an orgasm because yeah. you're not going to stop until you do. Yes. So, so, so. Again, but if you're craving that intimacy yeah. and yeah. So, so number one, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but number two, I think it's important for us to, um, to understand how our bodies work during sex, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of people get caught up in the resolution phase. And the resolution. What is the, yes, tell me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about this and yeah. I've just like been thinking about it. So. so the resolution phase is the period of time during, after sex, after the partners have orgasmed, where the bodies, both bodies are filled with serotonin and oxytocin and all of these like feel good hormones and endorphins that are making us feel closer to our partner and more attached and in love. How long does it last? It lasts, uh, really it depends on um, the length of the session, the intensity of the orgasm, it really depends. Mm -hmm. Um, A week, a day, an hour? Could be a week, could be a day. (laughs) I don't think it it lasts a week, Um, but I do, I'd say it could be, it could be an hour, it could be. Um, but those feelings that you feel during that hour stay with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, man, when I was laying next to such and such after we had this amazing sex, 
I felt so connected to him and I loved him so much. And so next week you're like, oh, I love him so much. And you're not realizing that those feelings that you were feeling was all the serotonin and oxytocin and all of those things flowing. And a week later, you're probably not going to feel those same exact feelings because now he's talking and like <laughs> having conversations and reminding you that, hey, wait, I'm not in love. That just was really great sex that we had. Yeah. And so understanding the difference between your body's reaction and your heart's reaction to a person. Also not jumping into relationship, right? Just because you have good sex with someone doesn't mean that they're relationship material. Yeah. So I think it's, I think the best way um, to stay emotionally safe when having sex um, outside of relationship is to wait. <laughs> Don't have, here's what I do, right? Yeah. If I meet someone that I'm attracted to and I'm like, oh, yes, I would really like to have sex with that person. I wait. And if in a week I still feel the same way and I'm like, oh, yes, I want to have sex with that person, then I'm going to have sex with them yeah. because it's not just this fleeting thing that's, you know, it's some, there's it's a consistency there. Like, yeah. I really want to have sex with this person versus like, okay, I'm lonely. I haven't orgasmed today or in a week or whatever. I'm going to go have sex with this person because they're attractive. And and now we have a whole bunch of other problems, right? Because, yeah, regret. Yeah. The social stigmas that yeah, come. Yeah. The emotional connection that does happen, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so, <laughs> yeah, you could have, like, saved yourself a lot of time if you just masturbated. <laughs> <laughs> She's clearly an advocate, in case you guys didn't notice. <laughs> yes. So. Um, <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. So this like continues to perplex me is how come men can be labeled sexually free and be lab and be labeled a ladies man, but women are labeled hoes. Like how can we change this narrative? Not only with women, but amongst male friends as well, because you'll hear like, Oh yeah, I dated her. She's a hoe. Well, you dated her. So like, why would you date a quote unquote hoe? And then if you dated her, aren't you like a quote unquote hoe ho too? Also, yes. Like I just like guilty by association. It's just like you're putting this label on someone else. But if you know that because you engaged in those acts with that person, like, so what I hear you describing is power dynamics, mm, right? So yes. it's like, Oh, I was with someone. It didn't work out for us. And now, because I'm a man and I, have the power dynamics of, okay, well, she's a whore. I can say this and it will affect her reputation that yeah, those are power dynamics. And so for women, we have to understand where our power lies, right? And our power lies in not perpetuating those power dynamics, right? So when your guy friend is like, oh, she's a hoe, you say, why, why is she a hoe? What makes her a hoe? Yeah. What makes her a hoe and not you a hoe? Yeah. <laughs> ho. <laughs> ho. <laughs> So we can start to take back that power, right? And so and you question it, yeah, yeah, and say, okay, well, what makes her a whore? If she's a whore, I'm a whore, yeah. and we're together. So yeah. what what is that about? Especially you know? when ex, like, if you're dating someone and they call their ex a hoe, oh my gosh, red lights like flash, yeah, like, red flag. I just want to run out the door because I'm like, well, you chose this person, and then what am I gonna be if we ever break up? Exactly. Like, it's and and then even the fact that you would call a woman that. Yeah, but like, you know, we we do the same thing, right? If yeah. you think about like when we break up with a guy, yeah, his penis was small. Yeah. Like, <laughs> true, true. 
Yeah. It, and, and like you said, it is a power dynamic. Yeah. Like you could be in your feelings and you know, it's a little shade. that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And so if you don't give it power, right. Yeah. And when it's done to you or when it's done to someone else, then we're, we're kind of leveling the playing field yeah. a little bit. Ending yeah. that mm-hmm. cycle. Um, okay. So as women, <laughs> This kind of makes me laugh because I have this conversation with like my female friends, my male friends, um, just like talking about sex in general and in, you know, relationships about orgasms and female Mm. orgasms. Yeah. Because um, I think most men think that women, they orgasm from penetration, (laughs) which is not the case. Well, they're taught that, right? Yeah, We're taught because we that, be faking, ladies. Yeah, we you're you're supposed to orgasm from penis and vaginas. That's, yeah, that's what sex is. Yeah, except that's not how our bodies are made <laughs> at all. Yeah, um, more than eighty percent of women cannot orgasm from penetration alone. Wow, which means that for eighty percent of women, you must stimulate them externally meaning stimulating their clitoris on the outside you know that little nub you see on the outside if you stimulate it rub it kiss it touch it whatever during penetration then penetration is a lot more enjoyable for us yeah I have clients that come to me like Reba I've never had an orgasm in my life and I'm like "Mm, are you doing it right they're like well (laughs) because that's the first question right like okay I've never orgasmed okay but what are you doing what are you expecting because rainbows aren't gonna like shoot out of your butt so (laughs) like what what were you expecting and then like, are you doing it right? Like, are you touching your clitoris? Yeah. Or are you just putting things inside? And usually they're like, I'm just putting things inside. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not how clitorises work. So most of us don't know that. So it's hard for us to tell our partners that too. Yeah. And then when we do, uh, you'd be surprised at how many men are like, well, then what's the point of my penis? <laughs> and I'm like, look, penetration does, it, like, don't get me wrong, 20% of women can orgasm yeah. from penetration. So there are women out there who are like like having an orgasm yeah. from penetration alone. However, that's not most of us. And so because we see it in porns, right? Because porn oh is like, oh yeah, every, every time. Sex. Yeah. Every time you put a penis in a vagina, she's moaning, moaning and she's coming. Yeah. No, that's, that's not how these yeah. things work. And that is all acting. Like yeah. if you think about like wrestling, <laughs> it's, so, it's acting. <laughs> so why do you think so many women, women fake it? Like, do you think it's like, I mean, I know, you know why I have, but like, why do you think, like, is it to get it over with? Is it to like, you I know, think it's comb a combination the ego? Yeah. Like, I think we don't want, so if we don't orgasm from, from penis sex, then we're in our minds, our vaginas are trash. So, yeah. so it's like, wait, uh, I'm going to fake it so that he doesn't think that there's something wrong with me yeah or I'm gonna fake it so that it gets over with because it only takes six minutes so Mm -hmm. so okay I'm gonna fake it or I'm gonna fake it because if he thinks I'm not enjoying it then he'll go get it from someone else yeah or if he thinks I'm not enjoying it he'll think I'm gonna go get it from someone else so there's a lot of reasons why we fake it but they all come back to the male ego yeah and honestly like when you fake your orgasms, you're being dishonest to yourself and to your partner, and you're setting yourself up for really bad sex all the time. <laughs> Seriously, if you're like, and who wants that? Who wants that? Yeah. And so, if you're like, hey, this isn't doing it for me. Let's try something else. Then, yeah. I mean, you're. Why are we? Why are we doing this? Right? Yeah. It always comes back to intention. So you talked about the the orgasm gap for mm-hmm. men and women. So you said you gave me like this 
Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. like jaw-dropping statistics. Yeah, so, so can you talk a little bit about that? Of course. So the orgasm gap is, um, it's a phenomenon that happens between men and women who are involved in sexual activity. And it's basically, the theory says that for every 100 times a man and a woman have sex, the man will orgasm 90 times, the woman will orgasm 65 which means there's a big gap when it comes to orgasms. Now that same study, Huge. that same study asked those men how many times they thought their partners orgasmed. And it's crazy because they said 80. So they know that they're getting more orgasms, but they don't know to the full extent that they're getting more orgasms. And I think it's because we're faking it. So <laughs> if we could all just like take a pact and say, okay, ladies, we're not, gonna do we're not faking orgasms anymore when we don't want to have sex we're going to say no and when we want to have sex we're going to say absolutely yes and when the sex doesn't feel good we're going to stop and redirect yeah. okay Be instead of faking it because at the end of the day you're setting your you're setting yourself up for no pleasure and you're setting the next girl up for no pleasure and the next girl and the next girl so yeah yeah so how do you let me i mean in instances of like that do you go about communicating that as it's happening or I mean like a longer term strategy you had mentioned that you encourage couples to like ask each other like do a questionnaire or mm -hmm. something like that to like to promote better communication because a lot of times like if I think about it it's like have I ever had a conversation like you know maybe in the beginning before it happens mm -hmm. like oh what do you like what do you like and then it's like do do we ever like have that conversation again I don't know yeah so most people don't right they yeah. have it in the beginning like when they're in the lovey-dovey phase yeah and it's like oh what do you like what do you like, like what do you like where people are all about pleasing each other yes. and like yeah mm -hmm. the courtship kind of stage mm -hmm. yeah and then the novelty wears off and you don't ask those questions anymore and then things get stale yeah and then people come see me so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think um I think it's important to ask those questions, to continually ask those questions. Like, what do you like? What are you into? What are your fantasies? Those are also really great foreplay questions, right? The last thing you want to do, though, is, like, have these questions about, like, what turns you off and what's, like, you know, what are your boundaries during sexy time. You don't want to have any of these conversations, not the good ones or the bad ones, during sexy time, okay? You want to have them before sexy time. And why is that? Because it could be awkward? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, wanna, you don't want to, like, set your your partner up to lie to you because yeah. they think they're not going to get sex <laughs> because they said Facts. they don't yeah so so no you want to like just create a safe space right maybe it's at dinner or whatever and like these conversations can be really really sexy but they can also just be really really eye-opening too and so like for example if you're someone who when you go down to your partner you don't like for them to grab your hair then like you or should neck or, or yeah. ears like yeah. don't, you should say that like yeah. there is nothing wrong with saying what you like because if you say, "Hey, I don't want it. I don't want you to do this," and they do it, then you could. That's an easy like, "Hey, they're done. We're yeah. done," because they don't respect my boundaries. And so, yeah. many of us don't have boundaries when it comes to like sex and yeah. it's just whatever you. Why is that? Why do you do you think we are just raised to like? not talk about it and yeah. to not think about it and because of the kind of shame culture mm -hmm. do you feel like that's part of it exactly. is that shame yeah. and purity culture keep yeah. us from talking about sex from thinking about sex from admitting that we talk or think about sex yeah because so. i feel like that what the shame culture has done is kind of like created this like kind of perverted underground community mm -hmm. where it's like pornography has like is desensitizing people mm -hmm. and stuff like that and s instead of being able to openly express things would you like 
Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. I think um, also I think the reason why Me Too is happening is because we're we're, we're tired of not talking about these things, right? We're tired of not like being tired of having bad sex. Yeah, no, no, really. There was a study done a couple years ago that said millennial women are having bad sex. More than 50% of millennial women report their last few sexual experiences were not good. Yeah. And I honestly started Sexpert Consultants to change that because sex should be good. Yeah. It shouldn't be like some a chore that we do or, you know, something we do because it's our duty. You know, it should be enjoyable. And mm-hmm. so I'm yeah. a 100% like firm believer that um, if we prioritize our pleasure, sex will be good for all of us. Yeah. And I, and I said bad sex that's forced on us. I mean, that is, that's called rape, but, <laughs> yes. but, but maybe bad sex that you feel like you didn't necessarily want to have, but mm-hmm. you may have said yes mm-hmm. and were persuaded into. Mm-hmm. So let me just reframe that. So no, people, <laughs> I think, but let's not skip over that. Right. Because yeah. there's, there is, um, I think we're, because we're talking about these things now and because me too is so prevalent, like we're learning, like there, is like bad sex and assault are there's a very thin line Mm -hmm. right and just as much as like no means no like you know that there was a whole campaign about no means no are 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 we really taught to say no yeah you know are we really taught to say hey this guy likes me and i really like him too but I don't really want to have sex with him right now. Are we taught in those situations to say no? And I don't think we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And without having kind of guilt associated yeah, with it. Or yeah. like feeling, fearing some kind of consequence. Yeah. And so that's not how you prioritize your pleasure, like at all. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it also seems like so much of it is left to the women. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like, I don't know if these are conversations that men are having as frequently. So it's like, it feels like we're kind of women are taking the torch with this and you know, it would be nice if it was more balanced, but hopefully we'll slowly be getting there. Yeah. I think to be completely honest. Okay. So I started um, teaching a cunnilingus class. I, the first class I started teaching was a blowjob class, fellatio workshop 101. Uh People loved it. Yeah. Sold out all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the women in those classes would be like, hey, when are you going to teach a cunnilingus class? Like, guys need to know how to do this. And I was like, "Mm -hmm, (laughs) they're not going to come. Like, they're not coming. Yeah. Now, this was two years ago. And um, I started teaching. And, like, they didn't come. But now, in 2019, 2020, they are coming. They're signing up. They're bringing their friends. Like, it's, I don't know. That's good. That's encouraging. I'm seeing a perspective shift for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so in, you know, in our conversation that we had, um, like the pre-interview, you had said that sex organs are lose it or use it, which I didn't really realize. So if that's not motivation to stay active for yourself, Mm -hmm. like, you know, self pleasure and stuff like that, I don't know what is. Can you talk more about what that could be? I did not know that. So if you let cobwebs grow on your genitals, they will stop working. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, seriously. Um, You're like, no, but really. No, no, really. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Um, it, actually, in um, older, um, like, female patients, doctors are, like, now prescribing vibrators because the muscles that we, um, that are activated when we orgasm and when we masturbate, 
help strengthen our pelvic floors. Oh. Our pelvic floors are responsible for keeping our organs inside yes. of our bodies. <laughs> yeah, which is very important, especially for women. Very important. Um, they're also just really good for just overall body health. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, using the... I am not a proponent for masturbation for nothing, right? Um, yeah. So, I yeah, when you... Plus, like, let's talk about all of the health benefits of this sexual pleasure, right? Yeah. Um, the health, the, the mental health benefits, the body health benefits. But this isn't just for women either. If a man does not orgasm on a regular basis, his penis will stop working in the way that it used to, too. And so you want to make sure that you're orgasming often yeah (laughs) and i'm not saying go out and have sex with like everyone all the time self-pleasure yeah Yeah, no orgasms are so good for you and again if you you neglect that part of your body long enough it they it will stop working Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this this is a tough one and i feel like everyone i know has been there um what if you like someone but they're not good in bed like but they're a good person and they have you're attracted to them like how can you communicate effectively to improve things because you know at the beginning like of a relationship say you're six months in you finally decide to have sex and then it's just like trash (laughs) and you're like but I want to hold on to this yeah well so at this point you have to figure out like is this person worth teaching right because you're gonna have to lead the ship yeah and leading the ship it's not so sexy. Like yeah. it doesn't, it kind of takes away from the pleasure, but knowing that if you lead the ship long enough, you'll train him. Yeah. <laughs> into and like hopefully knowing. not for the next person, exactly. but for you. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Um, like I'm putting in this work for something. You better. <laughs> yeah, no, but so, but so how do you do that? Right. Yeah. Do you like put potty, like training wheels on them and yeah. say, okay. So I've found that after sex, I like to call aftercare, right? Okay. So after sex, positive reinforcements. I loved it when you did this thing. The next time we do it, can you do this more? Or can we try this? Or let's do this thing. Yeah. And maybe not so much of this. Yeah. Because I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so focusing on what you liked yeah. versus what you didn't like. Especially the- after sex, right? Okay. When the feelings of closeness are there. Like this is when you can start to sow the seeds. Right? Yes. You take the resolution phase yeah. and use it to your advantage. So you tell them like, hey, I really liked this. Stroke their ego, right? Um, So that's what I recommend. Now, if you're like, okay, there is a thing that my partner is doing that I hate, and I just, I have to tell him, like, I I have to tell him. I call it um, a compliment sandwich. (laughs) So, like, I put a compliment, and then I put the thing that I don't like, and then I put a compliment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, oh, my gosh, I love having sex with you. You make me feel so safe and so loved. I really hate it when you pull my hair. Yeah. But I love that we're so close. Yeah. (laughs) That you feel like you can do that, but don't. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. (laughs) And believe it or not, like, that's a lot easier for the ego to, to, like, digest. Yeah. And sometimes, like, infuse, you know, infusing humor into it, too. Exactly. I feel like it's helpful. Um, So I hear it time and time again that, like, from you know, people that are married. I don't want to say my friends because I don't want to call anyone out. <laughs> but just, you know, I, 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 like, I'm kind of a weirdo in that, like, every married person I meet, 
I will ask them about their marriage. Do they like being married and stuff like that? And you'll just, you'll hear interesting stories about successes and failures because I want to know how, you know, what works in marriage in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hear that like once you get married, oftentimes people have less sex. This isn't Mm -hmm. obviously true with, you know, everyone, but you know, kids and work and Mm -hmm. you know, you're tired. So how can couples improve this? And do we rely too much on our partners? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so let's start with that one. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I call that relying too much on our on our partners for sexual pleasure. I call that sexual codependence. Do you know about codependence? Like yes. emotional codependence? Yeah. yeah. So it's sexual, co- it's codependence. When we, when our pleasure is solely the responsibility of our partner, that's really unhealthy. And so... Do you think codependence in a relationship in its entirety and that we have like, it seems like there's been a shift with couples Mm -hmm. and that you're my best friend, Mm -hmm. you're my therapist, you're Mm -hmm. my, you care for the kids. And it's like, well, I don't want to have sex with you at the end of the day. That's not sexy. Yeah. Like you're my dad. I don't want to have sex with my dad. That's gross. Yeah. No, Esther Perel. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she wrote, she's a sex therapist. She's a French woman. She has a bunch of podcasts and she wrote a bunch of books. There's a book in particular that she wrote called Mating in Captivity. It's so good. I highly recommend everyone read that book. Uh, It's on Amazon. (laughs) Um, But in Mating in Captivity, she talks about how the difference between love and desire, right? Mm. So love is when you feel safe and secure and you know everything about your partner. It's like, you know, they pay all the bills, like the bills, you know, yeah. all of the stuff, all of the scary stuff is taken care of. That's love. It feels good. Right. But desire. So that love comes from knowing all of the things. Yeah. Desire comes from not knowing things. Mm. So if you know There's all of mystery. the things, yeah. yeah, then it's really hard to have mystery. And yeah. so, so how do couples, so the question becomes, well, how do couples inject desire back into their relationships and <laughs> I swear I'm not obsessed with masturbation, but it starts with, (laughs) (laughs) it starts with, um, having your own selfish relationship with pleasure, Mm -hmm. right? Because your pleasure changes. What you liked in your twenties is different in your thirties is different in your fifties because your body changes too. And so when you have a relationship, your own personal relationship with your pleasure, then it's easier and <clears throat> more top of mind for you to have these conversations with your partner. Like, ooh, you know, when I was masturbating the other day, I was thinking about this fantasy. And like that just starts these conversations that allows your partner also to open up, right? In that book, Mating in Captivity, she also talks about how women, we use our mouths to express our feelings and our heart and all of those things. And men use their hands, their bodies to express intimacy. We use talk intimacy, they use body intimacy. And so when we can learn each other's languages, I think that's really when like we can communicate best. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that instead of like asking my husband, oh, how was your day? And what do you want? And I love you so much. It's okay, uh, let me rub your back. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because he understands my physical language. And now that I'm um, focused on like physically talking to him, he is more intentional about using his words to 
expresses so feelings. you guys are meeting each other in the middle exactly like, I know she likes this and you're more willing to give it to each other because your needs are being met exactly I think when you realize that you're speaking two different languages that's when it's like oh ding okay let's learn each other's languages yeah and speaking of languages right the the five love languages yes, book I love that book. it's so it's like Everyone essential. should read it. Yeah. Even, even if you're not in a relationship. No, you need to know your because, love language. Yeah. yeah. So that you can express that to other people. And then when you start to, because not only do we like like to be loved in our love language, we love in our love yes, languages. Yes, I do. And I realize it's problematic. Yeah. Well, yeah. mine is gifts, right? And so I give gifts to folks and like they're like, oh, and then people feel shame because it's like, well, I didn't get you anything. And it's like, no, this is how I love. Yeah. This is how I show you that I love you. Mm -hmm. And But I know that about myself now and I can express that because I read the book. So yeah. <laughs> everyone should read it. Yes. Yes. Five Love Languages and Mating in Captivity. Those okay. are two really good books. Okay. So do you think like spicing it up, like, um, for men, like doing things differently, do you think that that adds like oh, enhances? Definitely. But when you're talking, right, when you're, when you're talking about these things, it makes us want to do things differently. Yeah. Um, I also think that like always being a student, right, is, is very, very, very important to like having spicy sex yeah. all the time. And attractive because it shows effort. Yes. Yeah. Right? Right? If your man goes to my cunnilingus class, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> but the, you know, even if, even, even if, if it, it doesn't change yeah. anything, right? It's like, you did this. Yes. yes. The effort is attractive. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. And it that is. in itself could be a turn on. It you is. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, the topic of cheating. Mm. Why do people, and I, like, I don't, I don't want to call out men, but I'm a woman and I've never cheated in a relationship. And so I can really only speak for myself, but I have been in relationships where men have cheated. So why is this? Do you think monogamy is normal? It seems, uh, don't get me, like, I'm, <laughs> now I'm going to get all the hate mail. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to preface this conversation by saying I am a polyamorous person. Mm -hmm. um, and what is that for people that don't know? Yeah, so polyamorous people believe that, okay, regular people, muggles, <laughs> believe that um, there is one person out there for us, right? Mm -hmm. That's called monogamy. Poly um, polyamory says hmm, there are many people out there for us and we're allowed to love all of those people or few of those people or none of those people if we want. But at once or yeah, at once. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and polyamory works itself out in so many different ways. And I think polyamory is, if polyamory is something that people want to like explore, you have to really sit down and learn your own boundaries. Right. Um, but in monogamy, in this monogamous culture that we live in, we're taught that the one thing sacred in relationship is sex. Right. So if you're having sex with someone else, it must be mean that our relationship is in peril that this is you're not the one for me right mm -hmm. because there's only one for me um i think and it usually means trust was broken and i think trust is huge for people exactly yeah exactly it usually involves some sort of lying exactly well yeah. it is there yes so yeah. so uh you'll also hear poly polyamory referred to as uh ethical non-monogamy mm. which Basically saying, hey, we've both decided that we're not going to be monogamous or we've decided that one of us is not going to be monogamous, but we've made it ethical, like we made this ethical decision that this is what we're not going to do. Um, do I think that ethical non-monogamy or non-monogamy in general is 
for everyone. Absolutely not. It is not easy. It is not like, yeah, it's a hard thing to navigate through, especially since we're all socialized to be monogamous. Yeah. But if you think about like human nature and our desire, right? And the difference between love and desire, it's very easy to then want to, you know, go and be or experience other things and other people. And so going back to your question, do I think that monogamy is like realistic? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I do. Yeah. Cause you said that for men, like it's about like intimacy Yes, and that like women like have been taught like that being like intimate is okay. But I think like you had mentioned that like men show intimacy through sex. Yes, exactly. And so they still crave it. And so when men crave intimacy and they're not getting that intimacy from their partner or they're not getting enough from their partner because their partner is busy like raising the kids and going to work and paying the bills and it makes it a lot easier not justifiable but a lot easier for them to seek desire lust pleasure from someone who's not their mom yeah (laughs) (laughs) so going back to what we were talking about with um and and esther perel also wrote a book called um, State of Affairs, Rethinking Infidelity. It's a great book too, um, because it talks about how we like, when we put all of this, we become codependent on our partner for all of the things, the bills and the finances and the work and the house management and sex and pleasure and happiness and it becomes too much. And so when you can build a village, right, around you where you're getting that intimacy and that love from other people, then your partner is not solely responsible for yeah. all of the happiness and pleasure in your life. And it makes being monogamous a lot easier. Yeah. Right? But but we're taught to be codependent, right? We're taught that this person is our end all be all. They must complete us, right? And, and so like, when they fuck up, you're like, <laughs> it's like, you've ruined my world. Oh my yeah. gosh, I can't believe this. This yeah. is terrible. Um, and also because we put such value on the sacredness of sex, right? And so when you can find things in your relationship that you find sacred that are not necessarily like sex right like if it's that personal intimacy if it's the cuddling if it's the time time if it's the emotional support like Mm -hmm. all of those things you can say hey I'm not sharing this with anyone because this is for you yeah yeah and you don't have to be um poly or whatever to like you can be 100% monogamous and and do that work yeah So just, I guess, to wrap it up, what would be your, what is, what is a problem that is reoccurring that you see with couples that would be like two or three best pieces of advice that you have for people on improving their sex lives? Yeah. So masturbate. Yeah. Number one, (laughs) right. Masturbate. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. This is the masturbation episode. Um, number one, masturbate. Number two, I, I get a lot of people who are like, um, I am. I have a low sex drive, and I am matched with a person who has a high sex drive. Oh, what do I do? And mm-hmm. honestly, that seems like a huge. It is problem. It is a huge problem. But a lot of times, the low sex drive person is um, neglecting themselves and their pleasure, right? Or the high sex drive person is running, like seeking um, emotional intimacy from sex when there are so many other places that we can get emotional intimacy from our partners that don't that's not sex Mm -hmm. so um 
yeah, so I get I get that a lot. Uh, I also get um, people who come in and they're like, I just don't last long enough for my partner, right? Men and women, but mostly men. Uh, and the and the reason for that is just biology. I just if I could like impress upon your viewers one thing, it's this: if you're heterosexual, men on average orgasm from masturbation in six minutes. Women so on foreplay is important. Then foreplay is so important because women we uh, on average orgasm from masturbation in twenty. Okay, so for those first 14 minutes, he shouldn't even have his pants off, okay? (laughs) He should keep his pants on for the first 14 minutes, and it should be all about warming. So I I look at it like this. Men are like microwaves. Boop, boop, boop. They're done. Women are like ovens. They must be preheated, right? Um, And so... That is so... (laughs) Important. Yes. And so if you take those first 14 minutes to preheat your oven... I guarantee you that the sex is going to be amazing and she's more than likely going to orgasm or at least get closer to orgasm than you've been doing before. Because what we learn is foreplay looks like this fellatio yeah, (laughs) and then there's penetration and then there's an orgasm. And if you don't get the orgasm, you're just out of luck. Mm -hmm. So, and foreplay can be, you know, it doesn't, you can have your pants on and do foreplay. You can totally have your pants on and do foreplay. You can like, so I don't like the term foreplay. I like the term outer course, right? Mm. So if we think about intercourse as penetration and we think about outer course as everything that happens on the outside, then outer course is something that you can go back and forth from outer course to intercourse and outer course to intercourse. And that makes sex a lot more enjoyable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Great recommendation. Hey, so outer course is actually a term uh, coined by Ian Kerner and he wrote a book. I'm giving all the book recs. Yes. <laughs> he wrote a book called She Comes First. <laughs> he also wrote another book called He Comes Last. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go read those two books <laughs> also. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for another episode of Tall Hungry Girl Talks. Subscribe to me on podcast. Uh, rather subscribe to me on I can't talk (laughs) subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts Um, rate review it you can also follow along on Spotify um, and visit my website at tallhungrygirl.com to learn more um, about Reba or book a session with her visit her website at sexpertconsultants.com and that's sex p-e-r-t consultants.com thank you so much Bye.